You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today, we're talking, we got a special guest, Shotgun Spratling is in the house, going to talk to some USC Oops, can you believe that? Yeah, Shaka and I were in Las Vegas over the weekend for the Pac-12 tournament, and the, we're going to talk about the Trojans and the bid that they got, and we're going to talk about what he saw out here at spring football over the weekend. He was there on Sunday uh, at practice, I mean, on Wednesday at practice. I'm getting the days mixed up uh, <laughs> with all this stuff was going on. Yeah, but practice on Wednesday, you can check that out and what we saw out there, and then, of course, talk about the NCAA tournament bid and answer any kind of questions or comments that you have about the team. If you do have questions for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. If you happen to have that Apple podcasting app and you want to leave us a five-star review, uh, that would be great. It really does help uh, to grow the show. Um, and we love it. We love to hear from all you, from everyone out there. Uh, we have a couple of new reviews, but let's, let me welcome in Shaka first because he's sitting here with me. Shaka, what's going on, man? How are we doing today, Ryan? Are you are you sufficiently recovered from your Vegas trip so that you can make another Vegas trip? I'm going back on Thursday. This is more of a boys like golf. Watch the first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament, uh, all that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm recovered. It took me a while though. That was I drove early Sunday morning back. Um, you had the red eye flight out Saturday after the game. Yeah, no no issues there. You know, the same thing as last year. We finish up. Uh, Finish up the championship game and take a quick couple quick snaps of celebration and uh, run out and try to grab an Uber to, to get to the airport. But it uh, worked out really well. Got some sleep on the plane, uh, which normally I end up working the whole time. And so I rested and recovered. And now it's time to hop over to Ohio to check out the Trojans uh, playing uh, in the first round against the Michigan State this, this week. Yeah, that'll be cool. And I uh, might even have a Dan Weber sighting and, uh, you know, that's his neck of the woods. So we're working on that too. Uh, before we get to, I want to uh, thank the uh, couple of people that sent us five-star reviews on Apple podcasts. La Palma said, uh, getting better every day. The team gets better every day. They're entertaining. They're formative. They are not, they are real, not phony. Appreciate that. La Palma. We try not to be phony. Maybe shotgun a little phony. No, I'm just kidding. I try. He's as real as it gets out there. Uh, and we also have one fight on Raul. This is a cilantro boys one. He says the parasol podcast is a touchdown for USC Trojan football fans everywhere. Ryan Abraham and Chris Trevino are the dynamic duo of the podcast world, delivering expert analysis and insider knowledge with a side of humor that will leave you cheering for more. What sets the parasol podcast apart is his exclusive access to the USC football team. Ryan and Chris have the kind of connections that would make a mafia boss envious, giving <laughs> listeners the inside scoop on everything happening with the Trojans. From interviews with coaches and players to behind-the-scenes insights, the podcast delivers the kind of information that other podcasts can only dream of. Wow, this is really nice. Uh, but it's not just the insider knowledge that the Par- with the Parasol podcast. Ryan and Chris 
have a playful dynamic that keeps keeps each episode lighthearted and entertaining. Uh, their chemistry is electric, and their witty banter will leave you laughing out loud. Overall, the Parastel Podcast is a must-listen for any USC Trojan football fan who wants expert analysis, insider knowledge, and a good laugh with its unique blend of wit, humor, and deep love of USC football. It's no wonder why this podcast has become a fan favorite. Whether you're a diehard fan or just love great football analysis, the Parastel Podcast is the perfect addition to your podcast lineup. So hit the subscribe button and get ready to score a touchdown with every episode. Holy cow, fight on row. He Ryan, should be our, like, yeah, I don't our think PR you guy. You couldn't have written that one any better. That was like, yeah, it was like if we had to do a PR thing, that was what, what <laughs> we wrote. Uh, thanks so much. That was great. I think he left a really good one for our podcast of champions one too. So maybe we got to hire uh, fight on Raul for, uh, you know, for some uh, PR stuff. I think he would help. He could help be. sell subscriptions. Can, can I give a shout out real quick? I want to give a shout out to Sal Alamillo. Mio, I believe is how you pronounce his name. I saw him at the baseball game. He told me he loves the podcast. He listens all the time and said it's helping him look forward to the upcoming season and give him motivation because he's fighting stage four cancer. Oh. Uh, so, he, you know, this, he said the podcast is his motivation to help him uh, see, uh, see, see it through, battle this, and be able to see next season. So we're, we're wishing the best for you, Sal. And thanks so much for, for reaching out and, and saying hello at the baseball game uh, last week. Yeah, fight on, Sal. Let's uh... – I mean, I'm, anything we can do to help uh, you fighting through this. Uh, everyone knows cancer sucks, and uh, I'm sorry you're having to go through it. But if we can provide a little reprieve or just keep your mind off things for a little while, that's uh, that's why we're here. So that that makes me feel good, and hopefully we get some updates and uh, things get better for you. But yeah, good shout out there, Shoddy. Um, fight on the south. Uh, I wanted to thank. It's Pi Day, by the way. Do you know that? Three fourteen. You're not a math guy. 3.14. I could have been a math guy, but I said not to. Right. Uh, it's Pi Day. And our friends over at Trader Joe's, they declare every day Pi Day. So if you go <laughs> check at TraderJoe's.com. Uh, yeah, so they have some, some some pies up on the website. Roasted garlic and pesto pizza with a deep fried crust. You can go check that out. There's also, for you guys you don't want to eat meat, the vegetarian meatless cheeseburger pizza. I love it. It's a vegetarian meatless cheeseburger pizza so you're gonna throw that in there they also have a gluten-free cheese pizza with a cauliflower crust cauliflower crust so some different pie options over at trader joe's but are you, are you a pie guy in general like pizza or pie like pie pie pizza yes uh red actual pie that's where i thought you were going since you're mr mr sugar mr dessert so <laughs> i figured you were looking for the apple cherry uh pumpkin pie no, I'm uh, the the only pie I really like is is pecan pie. So you know, Thanksgiving definitely got to have some of that. But I also gave up sugar this year, so you know, maybe Thanksgiving I'll make an exception to to that rule. But you know, I have to say, Trader Joe's, I finally found the one that's local up here in New Jersey, and okay. I've been just destroying peanut butter from Trader Joe's because they have a, <laughs> a, a peanut butter. Most peanut butter has sugar in it, so I found one there that does not that is delicious as well, um, as well as so many things at, at Trader Joe's. So. I was excited to to find find a, a sugarless peanut butter, and I've been uh, crushing jars of it at a time. It feels like nice. Uh, peanut butter is so good. I love peanut butter, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, there is sugar in there. That's probably why I like it so much. Um, yeah. All right. Well, before we get into some of the hoop stuff, you were out here. Uh, you checked out some baseball games, but we were here for the first day, uh, at least our first day of spring football practice. Um, it was the third day. It was the Wednesday practice, and Got to check out, uh, you know, see the players coming on the field. You got to take a lot of photos. Make sure you go check it out over at uscfootball.com. We had a whole bunch of interviews. 
and stuff after uh, after the game. I had Harvey Hyde on yesterday, kind of get his thoughts. If anyone anyone on the roster just kind of popped for you, either guys that are returning that maybe looked a little different, or new players that looked bigger, stronger, slower. Uh, well, we wouldn't see a lot of speed, but um, you know, anything like that. Any any kind of guys sort of stand out to you that we can talk about uh, before we jump on the basketball stuff. I mean, the the guy that, that continues to stand out, and when I talk to people around the program, that the name that pops out, you know, I kind of asked a couple people, you know, which newcomer has been most impressive? And Zachariah Branch, without a doubt, is how one response was phrased. Um, everyone seems to be, uh, you know, enamored by the potential of this kid. You know, five-star kid out of Bishop Gorman, not the biggest, but for his size, he has terrific strength. Obviously, he has the explosiveness, the str- the speed, uh, the straight line speed there. So really excited to see what he can do. Um, heard some really positive things from what he did at that practice, uh, you know, later in the practice from what the, the portions we were able to see. Um, you, you know, I just think he's a kid that is going to turn heads. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him out there, you know, moving around. We got to see him, you know, in shells. So the first time seeing him really in pads for me, I'd seen him in seven on seven and stuff. So to see does it translate? Because sometimes that speed and quickness that you see in 707 doesn't. And, you know, just the little glimpses that we saw definitely is a kid that I'm excited to see what he can do this for USC and what he can do in a, in a Lincoln Riley offense because Lincoln Riley does such a good job of scheming things to open up opportunities for people to catch the ball and then, you know, get some yards after catch. He's a guy that's going to be electric, I think. You know, everyone's kind of, uh, you know, mentioned him as the Tyreek Hill, the next Tyreek Hill, and – if he comes anywhere close to that, I think USC fans are going to be really excited to see him on the field. For sure. I mean, that's a great comparison. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those guys where some guys are five stars and they come in and you're like, oh, okay, I could kind of see it. And other guys are like, oh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> you know, he's just one of those dudes that's like, I mean, duh. Who, If he's not a five star, who is? Yeah, he, he looks uh, spectacular uh, already. And, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting to see Malachi Nelson out there and how much he was able to do with the fact that, um, you know, he had the shoulder surgery, his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, and then a couple of other guys that kind of stood out, Christian Pierce, the freshman. Uh, I thought that he just the, – the length, the size is there. I think he has great potential going forward. Uh, and, you know, just looking at some of the, the offensive linemen, I, th- I thought when we got our first glimpse of the offensive line, Seeing Michael Tarquin for the first time, seeing Jarrett Kingston for the first time, the two transfers coming in, seeing Elijah Page, the freshman. I mean, he looks like a dude already. Now, obviously, he's got some stuff that he's got to get bigger, stronger, all those things. But he, the frame is there. You know, he has five star potential in my mind, um, just from the size, the shape, everything, the way his feet, he moves his feet uh, really well as well. So uh, the offensive line, the newcomers definitely kind of stood out as well. And the fact that where they lined up, you know, it was not exactly where we were expecting, but to see Michael Tarquin at left tackle, to see Jared Kingston playing inside when we thought that maybe it would be Tarquin at right tackle with Jonah Monheim kicked in and with Jared Kingston at left tackle. Now, obviously, I think they're going to do a lot of cross-training, and we'll see as the, the, the spring progresses, if you guys notice them in different spots in the little bit of time that you get to see uh, if they're, how many different locations they are actually lining up. I think mean, Jonah Monheim talked about playing three or four different positions. So those are a couple of the things that really stood out to me early is just seeing some of those newcomers and seeing where some of the, the, the newcomers were lined up as well. We did get to see some uh, tackling very close to us. Whoa, 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 Ryan. I've been told on the Peristyle that this team has never tackled in their life. Oh. Well, is, that not, is that not accurate? 
Yeah, I think they did that on purpose. I th- it really felt like there was tackling right in front of the media pen on purpose. They wanted us, they wanted to say, hey, look, hey, everyone on the peristyle, basically it was for the peristyle, like, hey, peristyle people, we're going to tackle right in front of the reporters that, that, you know, we had like six people out there covering the thing. So all six of us got to watch them tackle. So we could all go to the peristyle and tell everyone, calm down. They were tackling. It was shells. They brought people to the ground. You know, it was, um, you know, by position. We, we, I, there were, I think there was tackling because they showed a video. Well, they showed a video for their full pads practice. Uh, or I don't know. No, I guess it wasn't a full pads practice. They showed a video from that practice, I believe, um, where there was some uh, some tackling t- during the portions we couldn't see. Because um, yeah, they haven't had a practice since we were out there, right? I think that no, was the last spring one. break. Yeah. Yeah, spring break. Um, I thought I, they, USC put out a video where they showed a bunch of tackling and someone shared it on the peristyle. It must've been from the practice we were at because I feel like that was the last one. Well, cause they had uh, shells on too, because yeah. the first two practices, you're not allowed to have shells because the acclimat- acclimatization period. Um, so yeah, I was told that, you know, from the, the later portions of practice, the team, the seven on seven, that type of stuff that they were still doing tackling in those segments. So it wasn't just that one drill that was right in front of us. Though that did very, definitely feel very purposeful that, <laughs> hey, we're going to do some tackling today. Let's do a drill literally four feet in front of the media. So if anyone wants to say, hey, these guys don't tackle, it's going to be right there in their face uh, to say that, hey, we're working on this. And I, I think it's whether it's purposely done right in front of the media, the fact that they're doing it, I think it's a positive. It's one of those type of drills you need to be doing. And it's it's the players that need to be doing it because that was all the DBs that were doing it right in front of us. It's a pursuit uh, angle type of drill. Hey, use the sideline type of thing, because those are the tackles that you remember being missed the most. You know, when Kalen Bullock doesn't bring down the tight end or another safety, Max Williams doesn't bring down a tight end over the middle. You know, those are the ones you remember from the Pac-12 championship game. When you, you know, you go back and you look at some of the missed tackles on the outside or in that, that secondary, those are the ones that really pop because those lead to the big explosive plays. Now, there's other tackles that get missed along the way. You remember the uh, Nick Figueroa not being able to, to bring down the running back from Tulane early, uh, their first touchdown drive, kind of going over the the smaller running back, and he picking up a first down the next play. I think he scored on touchdown. So there's other positions that you miss a tackle. It, it can be, you know, it can be standout. But if you miss one in the secondary, usually it leads to an explosive play, and that's why those ones are, are the ones that people remember the most. For sure. Um, yeah, but it was good. It was good to be back out there on the field and kind of see, um, you know, what the players look like, what the new guys are out there, talk to a bunch of players. And so, like I said, there's a lot of content up at uscfootball.com. If you're not a subscriber, get in there. You can do it for a dollar. You can get a, you get a month of access to the website for a dollar to so go check it out. Or if you want to do an annual subscription, you get 30% off. Plus you get Paramount Plus. Everyone's doing the streaming stuff now. You go sign up for uscfootball.com. It basically pays for itself because you it's the you, you get Paramount Plus for free, which is uh, it's great. It's a great deal, and uh, they got a lot of good shows over there. Um, so go check that out. Um, but we got this is I mean, this is a weird time, Shotgun, because I'm going to like on purpose like talk about basketball, and we're so we're in Vegas. I still get so much crap from everybody, you know, Jordan Moore. The sideline, you know, the, the play-by-play guy for USC basketball is like, what are you doing here? All the, the support people, they're like, they're questioning, like, wait, Ryan, why is Ryan? Is this a spring practice? It was just, it's just weird. And I feel bad. I feel like, I feel like they're coming after me, Shotgun. I mean, I go to some <laughs> games. I don't go to everything. 
but it's not my thing, you know, whatever. I, I, we got to cover it. You do a great job. I help out. I do what I can. I've been to the last couple of Pac-12 tournaments. Uh, but yeah, it was, it wasn't a good showing for USC in this Pac-12 tournament. So we, we go all the way out there and you get to see one game and they pretty much lay an egg. Uh, but still getting in the tournament, the, the, the NCAA tournament was good, but yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the ideal, uh, Pac-12 tournament, um, for, for USC. Well, the conspiracy theory would tell you that, uh, you know, USC kind of laid down so that Arizona state could get in. That's more money for the Pac-12, more money for USC and UCLA before they dip out and go to the big 10 where they'll get a lot more money because there's, I think eight teams made it from the big 10 this season. That's yeah. usually kind of the consistency. Uh, whereas the the Pac-12 has been fighting to get four teams in, it feels like, each year. Um, and, and Arizona State is the final team that gets into the tournament. They'll play in the first four, I believe, tomorrow night on Wednesday, uh, the late game there, against, you know, it would be Bobby Hurley versus Steve Alford, which, uh, you know, that's that's probably two of the best head coaches that were players to, to ever match up um, out there. But that would be a really interesting, the former UCLA coach versus the, the former Duke point guard, now Arizona State head coach. That'll be a fun game, but you know USC just it it definitely looked like an Adam Jasper, our intern, uh, did a phenomenal job writing the story after it. That Arizona State wanted it more, and the first like eight minutes of the game, first twelve minutes of the game, they had all the energy. They were getting to every loose ball. They were diving on the floor, and you know Andy Enfield after the after the game said, "Hey, we basically have not practiced all week because we've had illness. You know, Drew Peterson's been having a back issue. Vince Uchukwu's dealing with a back issue." So they just haven't had regular practice, and that's an excuse. But that's all—it's it's a reason and also an excuse at the same time. But it's—it's—it's it's, it's something that USC has to take to heart and say, "Hey, we've got to find a way to get back on the court. We got to find a way to be able to practice and practice hard and come out with intensity." Because NCAA tournament—if you wait around for four—if you wait around for even four minutes, much less eight or twelve, to start really playing then you're not going to dig yourself out of that hole. And so, especially when you play a team like Michigan State, who USC has been matched up with in this tournament. So I, I think it's a, a good learning lesson, but also shows you, you know, that this team can be, you know, hot and cold. And that that's the thing. If they, if they get off to a good start, then, you know, they can really run and push the tempo and, you know, they can get Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson going. That wasn't the case uh, against Arizona State, and you know they were fighting from behind the entire time. And even though it felt like Arizona State left the door open over and over, whether it be a missed free throw or a turnover late, the USC just never would catch the door and like, hey, I'm here, I'm coming in. Uh, they, instead, they were just like, oh, I saw that there was an opening, I let it go uh, type of thing. They just never could capitalize on those many opportunities Arizona State gave them, and that's why they went home pretty early. Yeah, uh, that was it. Was just not. It wasn't a good showing, like you said. ASU wanted it more. I thought that uh, you know Adam put that uh, very well. Sometimes that helps, right? We've seen teams like sort of bounce out of their um, conference tournament and then make a run in the NCAA tournament. You get a little more rest, you know. And other teams that make a big run in their conference tournament takes a lot out of them, and then they, they kind of peter out in the NCAA's. Yeah, and that could be the case for USC. I mean, the fact that they because the, the difference is. Conference tournament is one of like three times of the year that you will play back-to-back games. You know, there's usually a couple of tournaments early in the season where you may play some back-to-back, but usually there's at least a day off. And the fact that USC is dealing with two players having back injuries, including Drew Peterson, who's their, their most dynamic player for USC, the one that causes other teams the most issues, the chance to get him fully healthy going into the NCAA tournament 
is huge because he has not been healthy the last three games and USC has not played as well the last three games because of his ability to be such a mismatch to cause other teams to have to uh, correct their defenses, change things up to try to defend against him and open up uh, alleys for other uh, um, teammates. So I think getting him healthy is the huge key for USC to any chance of them making it to the second weekend. If he's healthy, then it creates a different dynamic for this offense and on defense as well because he's 6'9", can block shots, does everything on that end as well. Um, so, And when they take care of the ball – you know, that's the, the big key. When he's taking care of the ball and spreading it around, then they're a really good team. And, you know, especially if some guys make some shots. And Boogie Ellis didn't have a great game in that. And I was reading one kind of, you know, recap preview going into the tournament. And they were like, Boogie Ellis had a bad game. And I was like, he had 15 points. It was 5 of 12 shooting, which is not great, but it's not terrible. Yeah. And that's how good he's been playing, though, is that you consider five, 15 points, four assists, and one turnover as a bad game for the guy because the six games prior to that, he was averaging 25 uh, a game and you know has, has been getting four, five, six assists to uh, one or no turnovers. He has been phenomenal down the stretch run of the season, and USC needs that going forward because he, you know, how much he has carried the team. Uh, so if they can get Drew Peterson healthy and get Boogie Ellis, you know, back to the cooking the way he had been the, the three weeks prior to that, I think they got a great chance to go in and you know upset Michigan State and even potentially upset Marquette, the number two seed in that bracket, who they would more than likely face in the second round. So we'll see what USC can do. It starts with getting healthy with Drew Peterson and taking the lessons learned from last week and saying, hey, it wasn't good enough that we didn't get out there and practice. It wasn't good enough the way we started. We got to come out with more fire, all that type of stuff. So how can you learn from your mistakes? And the fact that Drew Peterson didn't have to play those back-to-back games as what would happen if they would have won, extra rest for him, extra rest for Vinci with Chukwu. So, you know, maybe it comes out as a positive that USC was bounced after one game in the Pac-12 tournament if they can, uh, you know, get a full full – deck of cards this week in practice and then be able to go full bore against Michigan State on Friday. Yeah, it probably wouldn't have helped their seating all that much unless they maybe won the tournament, and that was probably going to be unlikely. So, you know, winning one game, it's like, eh, you get the 23 wins. Um, where they landed, I know, like, Joe Lenardi, after USC lost, kind of bumped, thought he they be, might be a nine, but 10 was sort of like where they were. I think you've, you've had a pretty good feel of this because you kind of felt that they were going to end up in – uh, Columbus, just from the, you know, from the get-go, just like, yeah, that's probably where they're going to end up. And and you were right. You know, they were a 10 seed uh, ending up in Columbus. But, you know, is that kind of, is that right? Like, is that where, you know, they should be right now? Is that, does it make sense? Yeah. I mean, you look at their resume and compare it to some of the others. It, they were going to fall in that eight to 11 range. Eight would be the, eight would be if they would have won the Pac-12 tournament. You know, maybe they could have boosted up maybe Maybe even to a seven, but I, I doubt that. Even you know, if they beat UCLA and, and Arizona, maybe that bumps them up to a seven. But still, then you know, I think it's better to be at a ten than to be at an eight or nine, um, just because you avoid the one seed. Uh, now, number two, Marquette. I mean, they looked fantastic in the in the Big East tournament that they were in. Um, so you know, they're going to be a quality opponent. The Tyler Kolick, their guard, has been sensational. But it's still Marquette. It's the highest ranking they've ever had. A lot of teams do not perform well. You know, it's the highest ranking they've ever had, the highest seeding they've ever had. They just, you know, sometimes there comes duds off of those type things because there's a lot more expectation you know, than, than is normally there. 
So I don't think it's a terrible draw for USC. And I think being the 10 seed, hey, now you're the underdog a little bit. You play with a little bit more of a chip on your shoulder. So, you know, if USC takes those things and uses them in that way, I think that it's a positive for them to end up here uh, at, at the 10th seed. And I think it's probably where they should be. Uh, the thing is, like their resume, there's not a lot of, you know, marquee wins. They beat Aaron, I mean, they beat UCLA, potentially could have beat UCLA the game you were at at Pauley, played Arizona tough at home, but, and they beat Arizona State twice. But there's not a lot of marquee wins in there. The Auburn win that looked really nice earlier in the season, you know, Auburn lost, I think, something like 7 out of 10 at the end of the season. The fact that they're an 8 seed is a little bit baffling, 8 or 9 seed, um, just because I thought they would be a little bit further down. But, you know, USC's big win opportunities is Tennessee, you know, Wisconsin. They didn't take care of business there. And, and both those teams kind of struggled down the stretch as well. So USC's resume just didn't live up to being, you know, that high-end, high-volume, you know, marquee game. So I, I think that to end up in a 10 spot, I think, is a pretty good spot for them. And going to Columbus, you know, the state of Ohio doesn't really like the state of Michigan. So hopefully <laughs> that means, you know, if, if they, you know the local fans that are attending the event – you know, if USC's in it with Michigan State late, I mean, hopefully that means you grab the local fans and they become your fans type of thing. Uh, because obviously Michigan State being much closer, they're going to have more fans there than USC. I think that's going to be a little bit. You know, you're going to be playing against the crowd, which USC's you know used to. But uh, you know, I don't think that uh, East Lansing to Columbus is the easiest trip. So I don't think it's going to be just an absolute all green. But I will say that last year. Being in Greenville, South Carolina, Michigan State was there in the same pod as USC. And there were a good number of Michigan State fans there as well down in South Carolina. So I would I would be surprised if USC comes anywhere close to having the number of fans. And that's, you know, that's a that's a shot to the bow for you USC fans to get out there and support the basketball team. Uh, you know, if there's any Midwest fans in your, that are you know seeking something to do this weekend, why not go to Columbus? I hear it's a lovely city. I have no clue. I've never been. You know, it's it's going to make even worse, Shotgun. I don't know if you realize this, but USC and Michigan State are playing on St. Patrick's Day. Everyone's going to be wearing green yes. anyway. This is true. I did, I did notice that. <laughs> but it's also a weird year. I mean, like right now, I'm looking out my window here in New Jersey, and it's snowing in March. I don't know. It, it, didn't, it barely snowed at all during the winter, and now suddenly it's snowing in March. What is going oh. on here? Um, so it, it's... It's been a, a freaky Friday year already, so let's see what happens on Friday. It could be a really fun matchup. USC is going to be playing really early. USC has been the king of the late night game, you know, especially yeah. here watching the games uh, on the East Coast. You know, a lot of games that start at 11 p.m. for me, they're going to play at a much different time. I wonder how they're going to, you know, how are they preparing for that? Hope to reach out and get a, ch a chance to talk with Andy Enfield at some point in the season, possibly see them practice on Thursday and have some more stuff on it. But, you know, how do you prepare for that early game? Because for their body clock, it'll be a 9.15 a.m. game. It'll be a 12.15 local time start at, in Columbus. And so USC will play the opening game of the day. And that also could lend to not having as many fans in the sands as well, it being the very first game of the, of the day. So we'll see how it kind of all plays out. But should be really fun especially if Dan Weber makes out, you know, he's always excited to, to cover some USC basketball. Um, and so we'll see what they can do and if they can play to their potential. If USC plays to their potential, they can go on a run in this tournament. They can go on a lead eight run, uh, maybe even more, but you know, they have to play to their potential and that's something they haven't consistently done, which means making shots. I think when it comes, when you look at the matchup of these two teams, Michigan state shoots threes really well. USC does not Michigan state defends the three point line, pretty well 
USC does not shoot great, so and USC doesn't defend it great. So I, I think that there's going to be a definite advantage for Michigan State from three-point shooting. So can USC negate that? Can they, you know, can they run them off the line? Can they force them into their bigs where Josh Morgan's waiting and been one of the best shot blockers in the nation? You know, can they do that? Or is USC leaving open shots? And because that's one of the things that has happened throughout the season, USC's left open the threes to defend the in- interior stuff. And, you know, teams just haven't made a ton of them. When teams have, USC's really struggled. Michigan State's, uh, I think, top 30 in the nation as far as their three-point shooting. So that's going to be something to definitely consider. And Joey Hauser, there is their four, is a, you know, a three-point shooter on the outside. So a big guy that can stretch the floor a little bit. How does USC try to defend him? with you know a four guard lineup is drew peterson going to be defending against him you know i think that might be the matchup they go with you put kobe johnson on him their defensive stopper who do they try to you know match up uh with that's going to be some of the intriguing things to look for as the game progresses um and you know just who who how's usc matching up and how are they trying to use their defensive pieces the best uh, I want to look at the East bracket real quick i was talking to harvey hyde about this a little bit just looking at there's a there's some brands uh in there you know you got purdue as a number one seed you know, Memphis, uh, they're in there. Duke, you might have heard of them. Uh, they won the ACC tournament. Tennessee was in the top five a lot of the year. You got Louisville. You got Kentucky, Providence, Kansas State, you know, Michigan State, Marquette. Like, all these are in the, the same region. Like, that's a it's a pretty uh, – there's some big names in that one. I don't think there's Louisville in there. Louisville is pretty bad this year. Oh, I'm but... sorry. It's Louisiana. Sorry. I, I looked there. <laughs> also, a, a, a very brand name for if you're in – Louisiana, you know, and you're right. like Cajun food. Um, but, but yeah, there's definitely the, the name brands there. And you look at a team like Duke that is, you know, why it would be so difficult for a USC team to make it to the Final Four is, one, it's either – I think it's either going to be Purdue or Duke there. Duke is vastly underseated with the way they've been playing. Now, their their overall resume, is it's a, you know, a fair seating. But they have been spectacular down the stretch run. They've gotten everybody healthy, and that's been one of the things. There's been a lot of teams that are banged up at different times this season, and who's going to be healthiest during the stretch run could be really big in it. Like Tennessee's the four seed. USC's already played them when they were full strength. It was a great game. But Tennessee lost to Kai Ziegler, who's their you know their leader on offense and defense as far as just you know being the point guard, being the guy that's in everybody's grill all the time on the defensive end. So I don't think that they're they're a team that can struggle. But Duke is a team that has gotten healthy at the right time. They've got all these five-star freshmen that have you know matured and are playing really well. So I, I think they're the team that could be they're they're the one that a lot of people are picking to be the team to beat out of this region, even though they're the five seed. So you know they'll go up against Purdue and Zach Eady, seven foot four, moves really well. That'll be an interesting matchup. I hope to see him uh, in the nightcap on on Friday. So again, if you're a USC fan in the Midwest. Come out see USC. Stick around for the rest of the day. You'll get to see Purdue and you know the you know a seven foot seven foot four wonder Zach Eady, who's going to be the national player of the year uh, and win a ton of awards whenever the awards are presented. You know it's funny. They, people watch Duke and they're like, wow, they won the tournament. They're doing a lot better. You know, they won the ACC tournament. But you hear other people say like, well, the ACC just wasn't even that good, and you're putting a little too much stock into it. Oral Roberts, I don't think has a loss since like early January or something, they've won 30 games. So some, I'm, I'm hearing some people going, Oral Roberts is going to bounce Duke. And I'm hearing other people say Duke's going to win the national championship. So I don't know, you know, that, that's, that's what makes this tournament fun. Yeah, definitely. And Oral Roberts, I believe it was two years ago that they made their run uh, where they were yeah. a 15 seed and, you know, won a couple games, made it to the sweet 16, becoming the second 
uh, number 15 to ever make it to the Sweet 16, if I remember correctly. Behind, oh wait, who was the first one? Oh yeah, Florida Gulf Coast, uh, led by Andy Infield, was the first one to ever do that. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it should be it should be a lot of fun. I love, you know, I'm not a big basketball guy. Like, just the regular season just has not been as interesting to me over the last decade or so, just as a fan, you know. We cover it because it's a job, but the tournament's fun, you know. Uh, it's There's just always something cool happening. You People pick chalk all the time. It just gets completely blown <laughs> up, and their brackets are going. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, well, why don't we... Unless there's anything else, we'll take a quick break and we can do some questions, Shadi, unless there's anything else you wanted to mention. I, I would like to point out that it's, it's, okay. def, it's definitely interesting covering March Madness. It's such a different environment because, you know, you're seeing four games that day instead of just being locked in on like, I remember in college, like, I'm not going to class today. Or if I do, like, I've got games on on my computer the entire time. And if it's close, I'm leaving to go find a TV. <laughs> I, there were literally classes where I was like, uh, I got to go. And just stepped out, and I come back in 20 minutes later. My teacher's like, where'd you go? And I was like, this game was close to the very end. I had to go watch the end to see if it's a buzz beater. Uh, <laughs> like, that's that's who I am. So it's, it's been definitely interesting when you're covering an event and you're seeing the updates and stuff, but you're so locked in trying to cover stuff that uh, you, know, you don't get to fully watch everything at the same time. So, it, But it's, it's probably my favorite sporting event of all year because those first two days are just magical. I mean, oh, yeah. the, thir- the Thursday, Friday, and I'm, I'm glad USC is playing on Friday. So that Thursday, I'll just get to watch games through, pretty much throughout the day uh, because it's just magical watching all the upsets, watching everyone battle, and you know, knowing how much is on the line for so many kids. Like, hey, this may be the end of your career. This may be the end of your season. This may be, you know, your opportunity to become a household name, to become a Steph Curry uh, with something when something magical happens, or if you hit a late buzzer beater, you know, the Tyus Edneys, the the Bryce Drews, those type of, of things, or could have been Drew Peterson last year. If that shot at the buzzer goes in, you yeah. know, right in front of the three point or right in front of the half court line. Uh, selfishly, I really wanted that one to go in because I was shooting photos right in front of him. Basically, I would have got some great reaction <laughs> shots, um, but it did not happen for USC. So, and that's the 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 thin line, the thin margin of error in this uh, this tournament. You know, if you don't play well for a section of the game, suddenly you're hoping for a buzzer beater. And as was USC last year, they start they struggled in the first half. Came on in the second half. Drew Peterson was fantastic down the stretch. And, you know, they just couldn't get it done. One foul call went against them late, and it ended up putting a putting a good free throw shooter on the line. He made both of them. So now you're looking for that game winner at the buzzer, and it didn't happen for USC. We'll see what happens this year. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back and answer some questions. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty. We're back here on the Peristyle podcast. Uh, here's the part of the show. Great simple words. You've got mail. Woo-hoo! Yeah, Homer. Love it. Um, we actually, so we did a show with Harvey Hyde yesterday. Forgot to play our buddy Curtis from Reno Valley sent in a voicemail for the coach. Uh, we didn't do it, but let's do it here. Shotgun. So we'll pretend to be the coach and uh, let me play this one for you. Hi, Ryan. This is for you and the coach. I heard Shane Lee say today at interview that the defensive line is playing more straight up and they're keeping him clean. That means that they're not slanting to the right or left like they did last year most of the time because of a lack of talent from what I hear. But with these bigger defensive linemen, they're uh, keeping clean means that nobody's getting out to hit Shane Lee. Nobody's out to get him because the linemen, the defensive linemen, are taking up both those bodies. So he's going to be free to hit people. And the other linebackers are too. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Where are they, Shotty? Well, it's not really a question there, but thanks for the, the statement, <laughs> Curtis, uh, letting us know. Uh, but the, the thing is that um, the the pause I would put on that, and it's a great possibility. Maybe that's what exactly what is going to happen this season, is that because USC has a little bit more talent on the defensive line, suddenly that's going to free up the linebacker. That's what you're hoping for. You know, you want your linebackers to be able to run free, to go make plays, and be able to hit people instead of getting caught up in the trash, you know, with offensive linemen being able to get to the second level and whatnot, to be able to get onto those linebackers, get onto the safeties down the field. You want your defensive linemen to make plays, but also to basically clog up things and so to, to free up the linebackers behind them. But I definitely want to pump the brakes. They've had, <laughs> they've had one shells practice when Shane Lee said that. One shells practice where they had not reviewed the film yet. So now is that a is that what is happening or is that going to be a philosophical difference in the defense this year? I think that's very hard to say this early in it unless we start hearing more and more people talk about, yeah, this is what's different and this is something that's going to be different in the defense. I, I mean maybe Shane's just saying that from a couple of practices so far. Uh he's been able to, you know have some clear running lanes and stuff to go make some plays in the backfield rather than it being a philosophical difference as the season progresses, as the spring camp progresses, we'll find out a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Thanks uh, for that one, Curtis. And I agree with you there. Uh, Shoddy. It's a little early for that, but just, it's a good, I mean, it's good. It's a positive sign. Like you'd like to see that. You'd like to see these linebackers freed up. Uh, they're going to be a little bit deeper at linebacker than what we saw last year. Uh, should be some more playmakers. So be curious to see how that all ends up. Coach B wrote in, he has three different questions. Um, he says three questions for you guys, G U Y Z. So he's, he must be cool. He's, he's down with them on the lingo one. Uh, I've been peeping the videos that are dropped on Twitter and haven't seen any helmet stickers yet. Is Lincoln Riley doing the quote gold plated gimmick again? I don't know if it's a gimmick, but it's a, it's a thing. I mean, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the beginning of, of spring camp usually fall camp as well. There's no helmet stickers ever on there um, because the helmets are clean, basically. Like, why are we going to waste the stickers, you know, getting them damaged, that type of thing at this point? 
Are they going to do the the gold plating thing? We, you know, it's not something that's been brought up in the interviews with Lincoln Riley, but I I like the idea of it. Like, hey, you got to earn your sticker. Yeah, I remember, you know, in my high school days, you like basically you, we had our names on our back of our jerseys. You had to earn that in the off season. That was from summer workouts. That was from all the off season stuff. So if you didn't put in the work in the off season, you didn't get your name on the back of your jersey at during the season. Now it's a little bit different with decals, like. You, Basically, you got to have one of those during the game. I think just for uniformity, um, yeah. you would want that. But uh, I guess there's no rule technically on it. I don't know for sure what, what that would be as far as uniform and uh, uniformity of the, the uniform in that regard and the equipment. But Uniformity I, of the uniform. I think yeah, they do have to yeah. match. Um, uh, but I, I think the thing is if you're not, if you're not, not earning always, it, you're probably not playing. Like if yeah. you don't get that, you're not going to be playing. And that was the thing that Lincoln Riley said last year. Is there, you know, a couple of quite people asked, like, you know, is there any concern that so and so may not, you know, have one by the beginning of the season, or you know, will everyone have one? And basically, he said, if you don't have one, then you're not going to be on the field. You're not going to be on the sideline with us if you haven't earned the right to be there. So, you know, I, I like the goal playing. To one, it tells players, that, you know, some guys. You know, I remember I think Latrell McCutcheon was one of the last ones to get one last year. He's telling Latrell McCutcheon then in that regard, you're not doing enough right now. You yeah. need to be doing more. And I think it's just a it's a visual representation to tell players you need to be doing more rather than just, hey, someone's yelling at you at practice or whatever it may be. Uh, same thing when you put the depth chart out midway through a camp or something. It's a visual representation of are you doing enough? Are you a starter? Or are you know you need to be working harder? You need to be doing some more. So I like the idea of it. Uh, I don't know if exactly that's the reason why we haven't seen them yet because normally at the beginning of camps, no one has them at all. Yeah, but I like them too. Uh, the second question, where on the team is Miller Moss? Rumors expected him to transfer out after the spring. Just want to hear from people who are more connected to the team. Personally, I want to see him be successful in college and not just ignored. Do y'all think he sticks around after the season? Is he in contention for starting next year or is number eight? He's talking about Malachi Nelson. Officially the crowned prince. Um, I've, I've talked to Miller just kind of in passing and he's been all positive. I mean, just seems to be very high spirits. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm not expecting that, but I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Shaka? I mean, I think he assesses his uh, his situation after the spring and sees where is he at, uh, where's Malachi Nelson at. And I think that, you know, for USC, it's a big boon uh, to have Malachi Nelson being able to practice. You know, in, you know, if you've read The War Room, you find out, you know, how much he's actually practicing right now. Um, but the fact that he's out there after having the shoulder surgery and thinking, hey, he may not be able to do anything this spring, to be out, th- out there making throws is a positive sign for USC because – that just you have that many more opportunities to see a defense and whatnot before you're actually thrown into the fire. Um, so I, I think it's a positive for them to ha- to help his development going along. If Miller Moss does leave, now Miller Moss has to look at it at the end of the spring and say, is this guy really going to push? You know, if there's a competition, we know there's no competition for number one. Caleb Williams is going to be there. I said that last year during the spring uh, that Caleb Williams was going to be the guy, and it wasn't a true competition. But the competition for number two, does Miller Moss be like? I've got to beat this guy out or I've already got this locked up and that may sway his decision. And then also just looking around, you know, he's going to look at the transfer portal market and say, all right, is there a team that I, you know, was the coaching staff that I was recruited by coming out of high school 
and they are missing a quarterback right now, and that's the missing piece or something. You got to look at all your options when you're, you know, you're a backup quarterback, just because you know the playing time doesn't come that often. You saw even with Caleb Williams, the fact that he runs around all the time. You know, how much time did he miss last year? A handful of snaps at the very end of the Utah game. That was it. And I'm actually only a handful. One snap at the end of the Utah game. You know, played through the injury and whatnot. So that's the thing that Miller Moss will have to assess. But I think that he's, you know, excited about the upcoming season. And I, I know, you know, from talking to him in the past, he's confident that he can win the job against anybody. Now, he didn't win it against Caleb Williams, but, you know, if, if, whether it's Malachi Nelson coming in, whether it's the next quarterback coming in after that, he's confident that he's good enough to, to win the, the competition against whoever the next guy is. So, I, I, you know, I think he'll assess all those situations around the nation as well as his own personal one. But, you know, I think he's still confident that he can win that job. So I don't think he's going to be threatened necessarily by Malachi Nelson and feel like he's been crowned as the next guy. Lincoln Riley's been pretty straight up as far as, you know, giving these quarterbacks the true competition uh, to, to prove themselves. Yeah, and I think, I mean, maybe one of the things that people are looking at is you see Malachi Nelson kind of like right attached to uh, Caleb Williams, you know, and, that, you know, you have the, the five-star quarterback coming in. Uh, you know, Miller knows his way around. He can do his own thing. And uh, this is sort of like, to me, it's like Caleb Williams just kind of showing him the ropes and getting along. Doesn't mean that, oh, you know, Malachi Nelson's the next guy, you know, and just forget about uh, Miller Moss. It's just more of, hey, you bring the new freshman coming in. He's coming off an injury. He's basically throwing for the first time um, at practice. And, uh, you know, Lincoln Riley said that that's sort of like, having a pro golfer, like sitting a lot of time and just start, you know, going right into a tournament without, you know, swinging at all. Um, that was sort of the analogy he made, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's good to see your Heisman trophy winner sort of put his arm around the incoming freshman. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Miller Moss has cut out of things, but, and we got one uh, voicemail and then that's it for today, but let me play this last one for you. Hey, this question is for, uh, Chris. Uh, for either show, either any of the multitude of shows that you do, Chris, uh, this question's for you. Uh, I just saw that video you posted of the uh, Wednesday practice, the first week of camp, of uh, Jack Sullivan walking into uh, practice fields with his fantastic stash. <laughs> uh, he's the same Wait, as Figueroa, because he looks looks like forty pounds heavier. Were you using a a fish eyes lens or something on that video? Because oh my god, he's so big. Yeah, so uh, I think I think the coaching staff found some beef with the defensive line. Thoughts, Eddie from Orange. Thanks, Eddie. Eddie with his classic pauses in there. I started to yeah. started to talk about three or four times, but no, there was no fish eye lens there. It was a regular, you know, phone, hey, uh, phone oh, lens sorry. and everything there. Uh, but yeah, Jack Sullivan looks big. Um, I don't know that he's the same size as Nick Figueroa. Nick Figueroa was, you know, more compact, but you know, he had, he had the thickness there. Uh, Jack Sullivan is a little bit taller. Um, I talked to him. Uh, he was one of the players I talked to after the practice. I thought most interesting thing uh, from him was that he's trying to learn every defensive line position, you know? So uh, he said, he doesn't know that he will be thrown into everything, but he wants to be that versatile player that can play, 
the Russian spot, can play defensive line, can play interior if need be. So, you know, if they get in the pass rush situations, they can put him on the inside if need be. So I, I think it's really interesting to, to hear him say that. That's one of his initiatives this offseason is to learn all those things. And I talked to him a little bit about, you know, how he's going about that and whatnot. But, you know, he's getting used to, to being in Southern California. He said it's much better than the weather in Chicago, which is where he's uh, originally from. So uh, he's excited about that. Um, and, you know, he's definitely – He's got the stash, but uh, Justin Dietrich said that there's no competition uh, when it comes Ooh. to the stash game. So Dietrich has the best stash, still. He's saying. Yeah, that's what it, that's what he says. All right. I mean, I kind of I kind of go with the the veteran there, you know. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's, he's coming in strong. Sullivan's coming in. <laughs> uh, he's bringing some heat right away. You know, he's not lying on. He's not lying down. He's not just handing the title to Dietrich. He's going to come and we'll see. I mean, it. It's a long spring. It's a long off season. I mean, those, you can grow facial hair more. You know, <laughs> like you can. I'm looking at yours right now, Shotgun. Shotgun and I are over uh, Skype. Um, I, I feel like maybe your hair is getting grayer because you're hanging around me. Is that the the issue? Like, it could be, or I, I just I'm just putting in some gray highlights just to, to pretend like I'm wiser. That's what it is. Oh just yeah. Cause, no, because no one ever sees my hair. That's why. That's what I'm saying. I don't get to see it very much. I'm watching it right now. I'm like, man, he's got gray hair like me. This is. Uh, yeah, and so that's stuff. from being the managing editor of uscfootball.com. I was gonna you say, know, you, dealing you, with you, all these personalities that I had to deal with the managing editor thing, it makes it tougher, you know. <laughs> There's a lot of stress, uh, yeah, a lot of stress involved. Uh, but good. well, I'm glad you could step in. Uh, Chris, you know, sort of like, you know, if he, he can get out of a show sometimes, he's not, <laughs> he's not opposed uh, to it. I know he's got a big uh, fantasy draft coming up this weekend. So he's got it's spring break. I think he's taking a little time away. So we'll give uh, Chris the week off. And uh, we do have Coach B did have a question for him that was specifically for him about Maryland and stuff. So I'll save that for him uh, for next week. But um, uh, thank you for coming on the show. I know you got baby feeding duty and stuff coming up. Uh, so take a little break and uh, you know you got you got all kinds of stuff going on, right? Yeah, Maryland will play West Virginia in the first round, uh, an 8-9 matchup. That should Ooh. be an absolutely thrilling game. So the winner gets to play the best player in the nation in Brendan Miller um, in Alabama. But that first-round matchup, that's one of the ones that I've got my eye on for sure. So we'll see what Chris's Terps can do in that one against uh, Bob Huggins and the Mountaineers. Yeah, he'll be, uh, I know, the edge of his seat watching that one. So he'll be checking it out. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, that's Shotgun Sprattling over there. Follow him on Twitter at Shotgun SPR. I am Ryan Abraham. You can follow me on Twitter at Inside Troy. No video this week. If you're listening, we, uh, you know, with the remote thing, we're not doing the video, but we'll get Chris back next week. We'll do some regular tunnel visions. I was a little exhausted coming back from Vegas. So I know Shotty wanted to do a tunnel vision, but we'll, we'll try to do one this weekend, which I'll be coming back from Vegas again, but I'll make sure I got some, some energy left in the tank. Uh, for that one. But Shadi, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks everyone out there for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. 
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 